Hi, my name's Stephen, and I've got the privilege and pleasure of uh, speaking to you from God's Word uh, this morning. We do that week by week, and I recently we've been going through uh, the messages from 2 Samuel, looking at the life of David. But we're interrupting that this week to look at a new series called Level Up, which we're going to do for four weeks, which means we're not going to finish Samuel before the summer. Instead, we're going to kick that series into 2019, and we'll finish that off then. Uh, before I go any further, though, I'd just love to say hello to you if you are at the Shoreham site or the Hove site, or more, more specifically, if you're at the Marina site, uh, we've got a new site starting today. The guys who are meeting at the race course have moved round to Cineworld at Brighton Marina. We are praying for you, praying it's gone well already this morning, but praying for you as you go into this new season that God will prosper you and to help you as you uh, seek to reach that community uh, down there. So, but let me tell you about our new series. Uh, we're just breaking to, to Samuel to do a four-week series called Level Up. Why? Well, because we spotted a little bit of a problem in our church finances. At the beginning of the year, as a leadership, as an eldership, we set a, what was a, quite a conservative target in terms of our giving um, uh, each month and uh, looking at building our budget on that. But I found that as the months have gone by, despite our membership going up as well, Giving is actually down, and not just down on our target, but down on what it was last year. And so we began to unpick some of the reasons around that. And uh, we're also making some changes behind the scenes with all the budget holders and staff looking at how we can save uh, money and uh, change some of our forecasts for the rest of the year. But we also want to take an opportunity to speak to you, the members of the church. This isn't just an issue for us as elders and leaders. It's an issue for all of us. And we want to look at it together knowing it's not just a financial issue, but it's a heart issue. The Bible talks a lot about money. And we're going to look at lots of what it says this morning together. And it talks a lot about it because what we do with our money has a lot to do with where our hearts are, what we think about God and uh, how, how we view our own lives. And so we're going to take an opportunity just for four weeks just to unpick that together. And yes, we're going to talk about levelling up our giving. And last week was week one. Joel looked at just the plain facts of where we're at. And I've just given you a few, a few sentences on, on where the situation's at. But Joel unpacks it really well in last week's message. So if you've not heard that, please go and listen to that online. If you were away last week or you're serving or, or something else, please listen to that. And, uh, but the next few weeks, we're now going to practically look, what does that mean for us? How do we now level up our giving and enter into a journey of faith together as a community? And we as elders, we want to teach on this, but we also want to lead on this. And so as elders and our wives, we've got together and said, hey, we want to lead the church forward in this, teaching them, but also going first in this. So all the elders have, we've looked at our own personal budgets and we've already all leveled up taking this seriously. So we want to, month by month, be those who are leading in this area. I want to encourage you to join us in that. And so the first thing we do when we're looking at this is to begin with prayer. We want to find faith for this journey, not just look at figures and bare facts, but looking at, God, what are you saying? What are you drawing us into? What kind of adventure could we have with you? What do you want to do with our hearts? How do you want to teach us in this way? My story, uh, being in this church now almost 18 years, is that um, sitting under the, the teaching of the leaders in this church has so helped me get right thinking on this. 
taking me back to the Bible time and time again. And so today I'm just going to teach you what I've been taught. And loads of it is just blatantly nicked from Terry Virgo and John Hosier, PJ Smythe, J. John, Adam Preston, all kinds of guys who've taught me down through the years how to have a right understanding about finance and material things and how to use them for God's glory. And so often when we teach about things, we look at one particular passage and we might bring out two or three points. Well, we're not doing that today. Today we're going to grab the whole Bible, find as many places as possible to look at money. And I'm going to go for a 21-point message. Uh, It's called 21 Biblical Principles and Why Emmanuel Should Give More. And so catchy title, I know. But we're going to look at 21 reasons or 21 principles around giving uh, together. So uh, you'll agree with me that we need God's help for that. So let me pray for us. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. We want our lives to align with it, Lord God. Not just with our own thinking or uh, thinking we've brought into this room, Lord God. But what is it that you want to say to us? How do you want to teach us that we might live all of our lives, including with our finances, before you in a way that honours you and gives you glory, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. So we spoke about our core values as a church at the beginning of the year. And one of those core values is that Jesus leads the church. How does he do that? Well, he leads it by the Word of God. This is how we hear him best. And so we want to open the Bibles and let it affect our thinking. Particularly, this series is for church members. And if you're not a church member here, we are so pleased that you're with us. Everyone is welcome to join us on a Sunday, journey with us wherever you are in your own kind of walk of faith. And uh, we're just pleased you're here looking in. And uh, we hope there's things that you can learn. And I'm sure there are. The Word of God is for you as well. But as we talk about money, as we encourage each other to give, this is really for the church members who say church, uh, church say that uh, the church here at Emmanuel is theirs and they want to take responsibility of, for it with us. And so we're going to look at these things together. So we've got 21 reasons, 21 principles. Let's look at number one. Number one is all that we have is from God and is His. It says this in James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Everything you have, everything that I have is from God himself. Sometimes we can think, oh, but it's mine. How can I let it go? When you get the right perspective, and realize actually everything I have is his anyway. He's just letting me look after it for a season. It helps us get in the right mentality. This is not mine. It's God's anyways. The Heidelberg Catechism written to help believers understand the Christian faith, asks this question. It says, what is your only comfort in life and death? And it helps us with the answer. That I am not my own, but I belong body and soul in life and death to my faithful Saviour, Jesus Christ. My very own life belongs to God. I have no sense of entitlement about what I have. It all belongs to Him. I can't have some kind of pride. Hey, I've earned this. This is mine. If I have a job, you know, even that is from God. Even the very breath in my lungs is from God. Are you aware of that? How aware of it are you? How aware of you that every day, everything you have is a gracious gift from God? How much would you have tomorrow if you only had what you gave thanks for today? How thankful, how actively thankful in prayer are you to God for the things you have? Everything you have is a blessing from Him. 
And we just have an opportunity to bless him back with it when we give. Number two, we are stewards. So like I said, it's not ours, but it is ours to look after, to steward responsibly. It says this in Genesis 1.28. God said to them, Adam and Eve, and to all humankind, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God has commanded us, hey, I've created everything, but I'm giving it to you to look after. The things you have been given, God's given to you, not so that you might hold into them and cling closely to them, but you might steward them. You might use them wisely. And when we get to the end of our life, God is going to ask us how we use them. He's going, to, he's going to hold us to account for the ways that we have used it and the ways we've not used it. Particularly for us who are more affluent or live in more affluent countries, we have even more responsibility. We have more than other places in, in the world. And we need to use what we have wisely in a way that glorifies God. Jesus tells a parable about uh, three people who are given things by their master. It talks about the ones, the ones that use it well are given more. Those who have used it badly, even when they have, is taken away. The Bible cares about the things you give, not just the things that you have, not just the way you give, but the things that you need, the way you spend, the way that you earn it. God cares about us working hard, cares about us working with integrity. The Bible talks about how we provide for our families. That's a responsibility. Talks about the evil of debt and how that can bind us up. And yes, it talks about how to give, not just to the church, not just to God, but being generous on all occasions. So we need to, we need to know what we have, and then we need to be wise about which pots it goes in and where it goes. Do you have a spreadsheet? Do you have a smartphone app? Do you have a book somewhere where you write down what you have and how you use it? That would be a wise way to steward what you have. If you want to lose weight, one of the first things you can do is just begin to keep a food diary. People who want to lose weight, if they keep a food diary, realise just what they're eating. Quickly, their habits change just because they suddenly are face to face with what the, the reality of what they're eating. Let me encourage you, get face to face with what you do with your money. That will help you with the first step towards giving and stewarding well. Principle number three. You, if you're a church member, if you're a Christian, you are part of a family of givers. It's in your DNA, is who you are, it's in your identity. It says this in Psalm 145:8. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. This is just one of many, many, many verses that talks about the graciousness of God and the fact that He's abounding in His love towards us. He is lavish. He is generous. And when he saves us through what Jesus did at the cross, we get to be part of his family. We get to take on his family name and take on his family likeness. And we get to be generous like he is generous. Generous like Jesus is generous, giving up his very own life for us. We are people of grace, a people of gift. Blessed to be a blessing. Principle number four, we are to be investors says this in Matthew 6, 19 to 20. Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart 
will also be also. What you do with your money shows where you are investing in life. Your life is a span of 70, 80, 90 years, 100 years maybe, if you're lucky. But it's so tiny in comparison with the eternity in which we are going to live with God. And so, yes, we're to steward it well within our lifetime, but also to steward in the light of eternity. And yes, we're to kind of invest in the years ahead, but not just in the few short years you're here on planet Earth. No, right into eternity. And uh, the reality is whatever you invest in Earth will at some point be eaten up by rust or moth or decay. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead by investing in the kingdom of God. As a church, we are called to help people find their way back to God. There's no mission greater. Why not give yourself that? Invest in that. One of my favourite uh, people in history is a guy called Jim Elliot, who is a guy who is helping people find their way back to God in South America. And he said this, He is no fool who gives away what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He had a right perspective about everything that was in his life. He knew that he couldn't hold on to any of it eternally. And therefore he could invest it right now, knowing into the kingdom of God, knowing that it went ahead for him to gain things, to gain crowns and rewards in the life to come with Jesus. How much of an eternal perspective do you have? Don't just be an investor here on earth, be an eternal investor into the heavenly places. Number five, it is more blessed to give than receive. It says that in Acts 20, 35, remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. It is more blessed to give than to receive. It sounds like a bit of nonsense, but the reality is true, even in our own experience. The Bible tells us, but we don't just believe it because the Bible tells us, actually, we know it for ourselves. Uh, when you grow uh, in, in uh, maturity, you realise that giving is more joyful than simply receiving. I uh, like the John Lewis adverts. I've, well, I've liked some of them. I particularly like one a few years ago with the little boy who was kind of, you, you saw him counting down to Christmas and each day he was sitting at the breakfast table kind of looking a bit miserable or dressed in his kind of nativity outfit and that kind of stuff, but looking a bit glum and sad, watching the clock count down, obviously desperate for Christmas day to come, so excited about it. And uh, a brilliant last shot is that he goes to his wardrobe on Christmas day and grabs a present out of it. But it's not a gift for him. It's the gift that he's prepared for his parents. And just that point about, you know what? It's wonderful to be able to give to someone else. Have you had that experience where you've chosen a really good gift for someone and you've watched them be wowed by it? Are you more blessed in that moment or are they? Sometimes it's confusing. You think, I've given that to them and yes, they're blessed by the gift, but you receive a blessing in return, don't you? Because you've been part of being that blessing. God's made us like that. God's made us to love to be able to be those who can be benefactors as well as beneficiaries. That's why philanthropy exists. That's why not just Christians do good things. No, no, although there is sin, we have a sinful nature and we can be greedy, there's also something of God in us where we love to give away as well. And when we're giving to God, we're not giving to God because He needs anything. No, we're giving because it's a privilege to be able to be a blessing. It's a privilege to be able to give. There's a guy in our church who told me a story recently about how he'd saved up to buy a ring for his girlfriend to, to, to uh, get engaged to her. And uh, a few years back, he, we were giving towards church planting around the nations. And he's like, God said, put your money where your mouth is. Why don't you give big in this? 
And the only part of money he really had to give was his engagement ring of fund. And he chucked it in. And he gave it with real joy, saying, no, God, I want to give to you first. I love my wife, my, my wife to be, but I love you more. And what happened is, all that money came back to him. He then received a gift for the same amount of money. So he was still able to buy the engagement ring that he wanted to. And once you scratch your head and say, why didn't that person just bypass that whole weird engagement ring story, just go straight to the church bar, but the same amount of money? Well, it's because God wants us to have the blessing of being part of it, being part of the blessings, but to give. So he, this guy got to be part of that story. He would have had that story if God hadn't allowed him to be, if just bypassed him. God is allowing us to be part of the privilege of being a blessing to others and having the privilege of being able to give. Number six, giving is an expression of adoration. Jesus is the high King of kings, Lord Almighty. He's worthy of all our praise and adoration in the way we sing, the way we live, and yes, in the way we give. In the Old Testament, we see that people give uh, gifts of uh, adoration and love to God. And in the New Testament, we see the wise men come to Jesus. And what do they give him? They give him gifts fit for a king. Move to worship God for who he is. Number seven, we give gifts as an expression of thanks. In, the, in uh, Luke chapter seven, Jesus sits down with some religious leaders. And uh, while he's there, uh, what the Bible describes as a sinful woman, someone who's described as despised by her community, comes to Jesus and pours out some expensive perfume on his feet and weeps tears on his feet and cleans them and, uh, and, and just devotes herself to him. And religious they say, why would you do this? Why would you do this? And Jesus tells them a parable about two people who owe a moneylender some money. One of them owes a lot, one owes a little. And Jesus says simply, who would be most thankful if they were both let off? And the religious is obviously the person who owes most. And then Jesus says, therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. When you realize what God has done for you, that he gave his very own son for you, that he was separated, father and son separated. When Jesus died, the painful death that you should have paid for your sin and shame. That's what the gospel is. That's what Christianity is. When that gospel grabs part of your heart, grabs hold of your heart, the natural reaction is thankfulness. And we can express it in all kinds of ways, including giving like this woman did. She gave expensive perfume to Jesus. We can give expensive things to Jesus. We can be generous and sacrificial out of a heart of thankfulness for what God has done. Know that we are so amazingly forgiven. Our shame was deeper than the sea, but His grace is deeper still. Number eight, giving is about hearts, not wallets. Man looks at the outside, but God looks at the heart. Luke 21, 1-4 says this. Jesus was sitting in the temple and as he looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in all she had to live on. I found this passage so helpful. I love that particular last phrase. She had, uh, she, 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 sorry, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. She gave out of what she had. And there's been times in my life where I've not had very much money, where my wife and I have just been on the poor end of things. 
And you think, I haven't got much uh, to, to give right now. We've got a student debt and that kind of thing. And they can be tempted to say, well, I'll wait till I'm in a better place to give. And he comes to this store and realise, you know what? This widow, even the little she had, she decided to give. Now, maybe you're in that situation right now. You're saying, Stephen, I'd love to be involved in this giving, but I've got big debt. I've got all kinds of issues. I couldn't possibly give. But I'd say to you, what have you lived on this week? And if you literally had nothing, then absolutely don't give anything. And uh, your response to our uh, kind of level up series is saying, God, please provide for me. But if you spent any money this week, I'd say, well, you have had something to live on. If you've bought a coffee, bought some groceries, put fuel in your car. Hey, is there a way you could have scaled back slightly so you could give something to God? You know, instead of getting a bus, you were going to walk and you could give your bus fare instead. Each of us can make decisions that, yes, are sacrificial, maybe seem a bit radical, but enable us to enter in as well. And that's what I got to do as a student, particularly saying, I haven't got much money, but I'm going to find space to be able to give something because I want to be part of this. That's what God's calling me to be. I don't want to be so worried and so anxious about money that I don't do that, but I'm going to give. What do you have to live on right now? Can you give? Number nine, kill mammon. What is mammon? Well, mammon is an Aramaic word for money, but it kind of has connotations of the God of money, the idol of money. It says this in Luke 16, 13, no servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You can't serve God and mammon. Therefore, if you are serving money right now, you need to put that to death and you need to serve the true and living God. In the Ten Commandments, the first commandment is, you shall have no other God except me. There's only one God. And when we give, it's an opportunity to declare that boldly. Where money is often, where money is often the idol that can take our eyes off the true and living King, giving gets our eyes back on it. it. Says Jesus, you are number one in my life. You are Lord, and you can have my finances. All of us have to do with um, have to do with money all day long. Every day we've got to spend and save or, or earn. And uh, therefore, it's very easy for money to become a part of our thinking all the time. And riches can be a real trapping for us. And it can be something that entangles us, either because we're worried about where the money's coming from, or because greed creeps in, or jealousy about what someone else, or maybe you've got lots of money, it becomes a source of pride. All these things can entangle us. Hebrews 12 talks about sin that entangles us, and money can do that. And when we give, what it does, it does, it cuts off that entanglement and helps us to run free in, the, in, the, in faith again. And it could, you know, this thing can come in all kind of subtle ways. Maybe it's just dominating your thoughts, thinking about money all the time. Or maybe it's not particular pound signs, but maybe it's a thing, maybe some material things that you want. The reality is the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Money isn't evil in itself. No, money is really helpful. If a church has lots of money, that's not an evil thing. That's great because we can finance all kinds of projects and go further and follow, go farther with what um, Jesus is asking us to do in terms of helping people find their way back to God. There's nothing wrong with having lots of money, but when you love money, that's where the issue comes. Instead of loving God and using money, we love money and it uses us. One of these things maybe would surprise you that worrying about money can itself be a sin. It can be a sign that we don't believe God for what he says in his word. 
We're not trusting that He will provide for us. And so maybe that's you today. Maybe you're someone who's wrapped up in worry about finances. Maybe you're out of debt and all kinds of things. Thinking, can God really provide for me? No, part of it is saying, God, I'm sorry that I've not trusted you. Sorry that some of the sins that I've made have been money grabbing rather than trusting you. Or sorry I've not given because I've been wrapped up in anxiety. Actually, we need to say sorry for that. I say, God, give us faith. Help us to trust you. And that brings me to point 10. We're to give without anxiety. And the reality is that worry and anxiety can be a sin, but also it's just a weakness of our human flesh. And uh, the Bible, time and time again, comes and just encourages us if we're in that place as well. This is the most famous passage probably about it. In uh, Matthew uh, chapter 6, it says this, Therefore I tell, this is Jesus speaking, Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need all of them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Don't be anxious. You don't need to. God has got you. He knows what you need even before you ask him. The amount of times I have worried about things and grumbled in my heart and then God has provided. I've not even offered up a proper prayer, but God just loves me enough, even in my sinfulness, to provide. Have you said to God, this is what I need. This is where my anxieties. Have you brought them to him? Sometimes we're too busy spinning it around in our heads or telling others about it rather than bringing it to God. God is a good shepherd who wants to lead you into pleasant places, green pastures where he wants to feed you and give you rest for your soul. We must be those who learn to be content, whether we have a lot or whether we have a little. And the place of contempt is by resting in God and knowing that he has us. Number 11, you reap what you sow. It says this in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. It's the encouragement here. When we're going to give, let's do it generously. It's like sowing into a field. If you sow lots of seed, you're going to have lots more crops come back to you. And sometimes we shy away from this. Like, yeah, that sounds a bit prosperity gospel. You know, are we giving just till we get back? Well, you better be careful that we're not being just calculated. Like, God, I've given you this, so you owe me this back. But there is a sense where we say, you know what? I, God, you say in, you, in the economy of your kingdom, that if I give big, that you'll bless me even bigger. That's the way it goes. And we shouldn't shy away from that. We should embrace that. It's like, okay, let's go for that. It says in 1 Corinthians 8, 7, the chapter before what I just read. It 
It says, But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. As in our Christian life, are you ambitious for your Christian life? You're thinking, I want to be someone who prays lots. I want to read more of the Bible. I want to be someone who loves and it's good telling, about, telling other people about Jesus. Well, it's great to excel in all those things. The Bible says, but make sure you excel in the grace of giving as well. Let's be good at this. It says in Luke 6, 38, just to underline this point even more, it says this, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it will be measured back to you. God is able to give you abundantly more than you give to Him. Give big. Trust in that as you give big, God is able to give you big in return. You can't outgive Him. Number 12, be decisive. It says this in 2 Corinthians 9 7. For one, each one must give as he has decided in his heart. There is a decision to make in our heads and our hearts. Don't just rock up and think, oh, it's, it's a time to give again to the offering. No, no, spend some time really deciding. Yeah, get the spreadsheet out. Look at your bank account. Work out where your finances are going and make a real decision. That is well thought out. Yes, it involves the heart as well, but make sure it's well thought out. Number 13, giving that's not reluctant. It says 2 Corinthians 9, 7, next verse, same part of the same verse, not reluctantly or under compulsion. I want to be really clear with you. We do not want your money if you are dragging your feet to bring it. God does not want your money if there is reluctance in your heart. He wants those who are free and not compelled. Now, being compelled is not the same as being encouraged. I want to encourage you, give big and go for this. I want to exhort you and say, go for this with all your might. But if you're hearing that as a, Stephen's twisting my arm, he's making me, and I feel guilty, I should I give? If you're free, any guilt, any arm twisting, don't give. That is not my motive and that's not the Bible's motive. That's not what God wants for you. He wants you to be very free. He wants you to want to give. Talks about the Macedonian people, the Macedonian believers, the, the church that was in Macedonia. They begged the Apostle Paul to be able to give. They were in need themselves, had all kind of financial hardship. But they begged to be part of an offering. They said, Paul, we want to be involved in this. We love giving. That is the kind of place that we want to be in. We don't just want to give, we want to want to give. Have you ever been given a gift by someone who is reluctant? It kind of taints the gift, doesn't it? And someone says, okay, I guess you can have this. I have this at my meal table often. We do kind of, a, we're giving out, dishing out pudding and puddings amongst our kids. And there's often different ones that are available, different kind of ratings on how good the pudding is. And if you've got the 10 out of 10 pudding, you're not very likely to want to give it to a sibling. And uh, occasionally one will say, okay, okay, younger sibling, you can have it. Here you are. And whereas I just press pause, like, no, 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 keep it. If you can't give it good, you can keep it instead. You can eat it in misery. Either give it cheerfully or keep it. Don't, don't, don't taint the gift by giving it miserably. Same with God. Don't give it with a hard heart. Be joyful and cheerful as you give it. And that's the next one. Number 14, give cheerfully for God loves a cheerful giver. Let's do it with joy and enthusiasm. And if you're not there yet, say, God, help me to be joyful about it. It doesn't mean it's not a little bit painful at the same time. It doesn't mean it's not sacrificial. It doesn't mean it's like, oh, this is going to leave me a little bit short this week. But you can still do it with joy. It's kind of like, ouch, that hurts, but this is good. Let's do this. My three-year-old recently tore up her bagel 
and put it in a bowl and left it by the television and so that each of her siblings could have a bite of it the next morning. And uh, they woke up like, what is this stale bagel doing here? And I was like, oh, my daughter wanted to share it with you. She's so excited. And so we said, you have to eat it and say thank you. And so they all did it. And her face was beaming. She'd given away something that she loved. She did it with such cheerfulness and joy. God doesn't need your gift and he definitely doesn't need it with a, with a grumble. But if you give it cheerfully, God accepts all the gifts that you have. Number 15, humbly or secretly. It says this in Matthew 6, 2. Thus, when you give to the needy or any kind of giving, I guess, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Can you imagine people in the streets blowing trumpets as they gave gifts? That is an ugly kind of giving. No, the kind of giving we do, we want to do humbly. Now we're doing it all together. I've told you the elders, we've all levelled up, but I don't want to make a big deal of that. And I'm not, they're not telling you how much we've done. That's between us and God. Your giving is between you and God. We're doing it as a community, absolutely. This is something we're doing it as an adventure together. But your giving is between you and God. Work out what that looks like. And uh, we've got these uh, level up forms for you to use. And uh, there is a space to write your name on that. And uh, that's not so the leaders and elders know. We don't know. We don't want to know. We'd love you to fill it out and make sure you put your name and contact details in and put it in the envelope and then seal it. And where does that go? That goes to our finance team. So then they can match up the pledges with where current giving is and that kind of stuff. So they can work it out. That's not for us to know who, who gives what. I know some churches, they, they do that. I've got a friend of mine was telling me about their church. But in the, in the weekly bulletin, they take the list of who gave the week before and they print it out for everyone to see. I'm literally like, have you not read the Bible? It says, don't blow the trumpet. That sounds like blowing trumpets to me. We're not going to do that. We're not going to take everyone's gifts and list it out and give it as a spreadsheet next week. Let me, let me assure you. Uh, number 16, give what is right, not what is left. I love this cheesy saying. It says so much, it just encapsulates so much of what the Bible says. Give what is right, not what is left. It says this again in Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. As you seek God first with all of your life, including your finances, God will look after the rest. Don't give God what's the leftovers, give him what's right. This is played out in lots of other ways, in lots of other passages in the Bible. Proverbs 3 says this, Honour the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your bars will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. The Bible talks about your first fruits, the first of what you've had, not what is left over. And so it can be tempting to do that. Maybe you've never given before. You're thinking, well, maybe I'll just see what's in my wallet and give that today. You'd be welcome to do that. And you know what? God takes great delight in that. But as we grow maturity and growing giving, we don't want to be the thing that's left over in our wallet. We want to be the first thing that we receive. So this is the portion I decided to give to God and it's the first one. And I meet Emma, my wife, have just done that time and time again. Right from the outset, we decided, you know what, God gets the first from our finances. That's the first bill that goes out. Yes, there's lots of other bills that don't happen. We're going to come unstuck. But we trust that the, the safest thing to do with our finances is to give to God first. That's what the Bible teaches it teaches in a kind of a winsome way in terms of saying, you do that, hey, you, your bars will be full, your, your wine vats will be overflowing. Awesome. It also says in Malachi 3, will man rob God? Yes, you are, yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. 
when you don't give your contribution, your offering to God. He wants you to give it cheerfully and generously. But there's also a seriousness that we don't take it seriously. We don't do it in the right way. It's like robbing God. I never want to be accused of robbing God. So give what is right. Make that your priority. There can be lots of things in your house. I'm thinking, yes, but I've got priority bills. No, no, this is the priority. Make sure you're giving it. Again, you don't want to be given someone's leftovers. I've had the privilege of being given lots of cars in my uh, in the last decade. People have given me all kinds of vehicles, which has been lovely and amazing and wonderful. And uh, they're not always been the best ones. That's fine. But there's one particular car that, that that stands out, where someone gave us a vehicle that was literally on its last legs, and we had a couple of young children at the time, and uh, it was just a few weeks before its MOT. They're like, yeah, you look, we don't really need this. You can just have it. And we're like, it was kind of like thanks, but also I think you can't be bothered to scrap it. That's how it felt more like. And when I took it for the MOT, the garage wouldn't give it back to me. They said to me, Stephen, this thing is a death trap. You have children. You cannot put your children in this car. I was thinking, hmm, I'm not really sure that was a real blessing. Don't give your leftovers to God. Give him your best and your first. Number 17, proportional giving. And uh, what percentage are you giving? That's, where, that's a question. So the Bible talks in the Old Testament about um, tithes and offerings and has particular ways that it should be done. And the New Testament kind of releases us from that. But it's still a real, uh, a wise thing to look at. How much do I earn? How much do I have coming in? What is the percentage that I want to go out? Yes, I want it to be the first fruits, but then what should it be? And so for me and Emma, we decided very early on, what's the percentage? What's our kind of base rate? And then each year we just looked at how do we increase that by a bit? Sometimes it's just been a little bit. Sometimes it's been a big bit, depending where our finances have been on. But we always want to push on ahead in terms of what we can give proportionally to God. Being really intentional about it. Again, get out spreadsheets, looking at that kind of stuff. Thinking, hey, what's the proportion that we want to give to God? Number 18, regularly. 1 Corinthians 6, 16 says, On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up. The Apostle Paul saying to the church, Hey, each week, have a look at what you've got and set some aside for the offering. On the first day of the week, that's Sunday. That's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. When they celebrated the fact of what Jesus had given to them, they're looking at what can we give back. Do it regularly. Don't wait for the gift day. Don't wait till you're prompted. No, put it into your diary and your thinking. The best way is to set up a standing order. You can do a weekly one if you want. You can do a daily one if you want. For most of us, we get paid monthly and that seems the right way to do it. But doing it regularly is a principle we need to grab hold of. Number 19, give to the building of the church. We're told to share all good things with those that teach us from the Word, to our pastors and elders that they are worthy of their wages. Those who proclaim the gospel should get their living from it. Now we are to give into the needs of the church. Do you love the church? Is that where your first giving gives? You know, it's good to be generous on all occasions, giving lots of different ways, but we must give to the church first. Do you understand the primary role of it in the mission on earth? That we are here to help people find their way back to God. That Jesus loves his bride. This is his plan A for mankind. Are you giving? Like I said, the Macedonians begged to be part of being able to give into an offering for the church. Are you begging to say, I want to give into the church? This is what I want to build. One of my favourite passages on giving is from Exodus 36. 
The story of uh, the people of Israel building the first uh, tabernacle place, kind of the tent of uh, tem- the, the, the temple tent, uh, for where they would sacrifice uh, things to God, where God would come and presence Himself amongst them. And that was a kind of a, a foreshadowing of the, the, the tent, the tabernacle, the, the temple that we are now as the people of God. And in this story, it says that they were bringing their gifts for the skilled craftsmen to work with. Uh, to, to build the tabernacle. And eventually, the um, skilled craftsman had to go back to Moses and say, please, can you go and have a word with the people? Please go and tell them to stop giving us the gold and the linens and yarns and all the other things they keep giving. We don't need any more of these precious things. They've given too much. The people of God, the Israelites, had so understood what this temple and tabernacle re- represented, what it meant that they gave with great joy and great freedom and great generosity to the point where Moses had to say, please stop giving. Wouldn't that be a great place for us as a church if we got that place? We say, guys, we don't know what to do with money anymore. There's too much. Can we just press pause and everyone's giving for a, cent, for a season? Instead of saying, hey, let's do a season we have to talk about it. Let's say, please, we're going to stop talking about it and we're going to stop talking, you know, please stop giving. That'd be an amazing place to get to. Number 20, test it out. Deuteronomy 16.6 says, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Hold that in your mind. Then Malachi 3 says, Bring your full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And therefore put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. And see if I will not open their windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Once I say, don't test me, except test me in this. Don't test me in anything except when it comes to finance. You can so trust me, you can test it out. Have you ever tested God with finance? My story and the story of many of the church members in, in this uh, church is that as we tested God in this area, as we've given, as we've done it sacrificially, as we've left ourselves in need for a desire to make sure the church isn't, that God has come through time and time again. It's not that it hasn't been painful. It's not that it hasn't been costly at times, but God has always come through. Final point, 21. Give because you can't outgive him. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. No matter who is the biggest giver during this kind of uh, four weeks, no one is going to be able to outgive God. Well, he gave us the most amazing thing will never truly understand the cost that it cost him. But we are the beneficiaries of the fact that God is a God who is generous and lavish and loves us. And that must always be our motive. These are all wonderful biblical principles, but they all flow the fact that God has been generous to us, that he has given to us the greatest thing. And we'll leave it there. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that you are the great giver. Thank you for all these 21 principles and all other kind of 30 or so that I had to cut out to get down to this 21, uh, Lord God. And Lord, I pray we might live in the good of your word. I pray these things might land in our hearts and in our minds. It might give us faith to go for it over the next few weeks, Lord God. Thank you for helped us pray. Thank you for helped us get to a place of faith. I pray help us now follow through it in a really practical way. Lord God, each of us might level up our giving because we've leveled up in our understanding of who you are and what you've done for us and what you are calling us to do as well. 
Thank you that God has given us love, given us grace, given us peace, given us mercy, given us purpose and identity, given us a, a family, given us an eternity with you. And we just say, God, just as a small expression of our love and thanks to you, we want to give of our finances. And I pray would you help us to do that today. In Jesus' name, amen.